Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSR, HealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSR HealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Welcome to Mary Ann Live. I am so glad you're here. And i got to tell you, we have a special treat for you today. Somebody who's near and dear to me, actually, so it's extra special. I actually know this beautiful author that's going to share her work with us. Jung and the Ancestors. Oh, yeah, that's the title of her new book. And that's what we're going to be talking about this whole hour. We are super lucky Sandra Easter is going to be joining us this hour. But before we get there... For those of you who join us again and again, you know what we like to do. We practice here on this program. We actually take all that stuff that we work so hard to learn and we put it into practice because that's how we shape and move through the world in ways that really do support what our highest aspirations are. That's why we call it a practice. And every day... We have to reapply, which is infuriating sometimes. But nonetheless, we do it together here. If you're joining us for the first time, you're like, yeah, what's that about? Well, it's super easy. One of the first things that we do, we have three things we do every program, the first of which is finding our way to being present. It seems like uh, it's become a cliche, the word presence or getting present. But, boy, the benefits for doing so are innumerable. And the way that we like to do it here is we say, find your breath. Where's your breath in your body? And just noticing it. There's nothing to do about it even, unless you want to. You could hyperventilate and have some fun or whatever your thing is. But what we like to do here is just notice, bringing your attention to your body, noticing where your breath might be breathing you, maybe in your chest, maybe in your belly. Sometimes we just can't quite feel it, but we can hear the sound or feel the rise and fall of our chest or belly. Or we just know we're breathing. Whatever it is, just taking a moment and bringing your awareness and your attention to your breath. And if you really feel like going crazy, take an audible breath, right? Giving yourself the gift of your own sound. I know when I'm in a yoga class and our yoga teacher says to do that, and, and it's like we're so afraid of our sound, right? You could just do it really soft if you're with other people. Listening to your sound, the sound of yourself. Anyway, this is helping align your nervous system, bringing you present, because we don't want to miss any of the gifts, the presence that Sandra Easter has brought for us today. And if we're present, we get more gifts. We get more stuff. We get to really allow on so many levels uh, the gifts that she's brought for us to sink in and, and work work in the myriad of ways that this does. The next thing we do, folks, is we find a portal of gratitude. Yep, shifting our perspective to gratitude. 
Okay, yeah, I hear some of you groaning. This is not easy to do. Our plates are full. Sometimes we just don't feel grateful, even though we know in the back of our mind we should be. We have a lot going on. There could be an illness somewhere in the family or in your immediate circle, maybe even you. You know, somebody's homesick from school today. In the United States, uh, we've started school again. Uh, if you're listening abroad uh, or wherever you are in the world, whatever has just begun presents challenges, right? Just noticing where you're at in your life and seeing if you can find your way to a portal of gratitude. One of the things I like to say is, who helped make it possible for you to do what you're doing right now? That's a pretty easy way to climb into that perspective. The tens of hundreds of thousands of people in the smallest thing that we take for granted, right? The shoes on your feet. Who made those shoes? Who who helped? What, what were all the details involved in that? So find one or more things that can help you find your way to a, a real sense and perspective of gratitude. And also you can notice somatically how that makes you feel. It really does make a difference. It, for me, I feel softened. And I feel like sort of melting into my list, who we do at the global level. We, we really like to honor our honorary sponsor, the One World Children's Fund, org if you're online, where they envision a world where we act together as a global community to ensure all children have education, health care, and a safe home, uniting people to improve the lives of children affected by poverty. Uh, at the national level, we've got the National Action Organization committed to changing the way our culture values each other. You can check them out online, naction.org. <clears throat> they make programming like this possible. 100%, 100% of the proceeds goes to programming just like this. And at the local level, uh, the Open Secret Bookstore in San Rafael, California, if you're in Northern California, and you like books, which of course you do because you keep tuning in, uh, again and again, the Open Secret Bookstore has got the latest in meditation and revelation and has beautiful books like Sandra Easter's book that we're going to be talking about today, Healing and the Ancestors, Beyond Biography, Mending the Ancestral Web. Uh, so, yeah, you're breathing. You're maybe getting grateful. Who knows? Somewhere in the neighborhood. Wherever you're at right now, we're going to turn our attention to our beautiful guest today. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Sandra Easter. Uh, who I adore and could just eat her up because she's amazing. And all right, enough about that. I'm not going to gush too much here. But Sandra, Sandra Easter is a Ph.D. who's worked nationally with diverse groups in both urban and rural communities, providing education, advocacy, and community organization support for over 35 years. She's an adjunct faculty at Pacifica Graduate Institute, maintains a private practice in Denver, Colorado, and offers workshops in ancestral soul work and transformational visioning for individuals and organizations. And we're going to talk about what that actually means for those of you who are like, what was that? Wait a minute. What is that? Don't worry. We're going to get there. Uh, and you probably have some other questions about ancestry. Where do we all come from anyway? How often do we think about that? That's a big question. And do you know who your ancestors were and how they may be influencing you today? Well, Sandra Easter introduces us to a powerful mode of psychological inquiry that engages the ancestors as living presences, shaping who we are and the lives we live. Beyond our personal biography, we can find evidence of them in dreams, visions, and symptoms of illness, and in nature and the land on which we live. 
Sanders shares real-life examples in her book of women who, by establishing dialogues with their ancestors, or the ancestors, have been able to work through personal and generational trauma and wounds, healing themselves and those in their ancestral lines. Her work can change the way you understand yourself and your relationship to those in your past and your future. Welcome to the program, Sandra. We're so glad you're here. Well, thank you, Marianne. What a great introduction. Uh, my pleasure. You're easy to introduce, and you're one of the most fascinating people I've met in many years. You, you really are a testament to uh, being a complex person all the way out loud and making it look good. <laughs> busting out of those, right? Well, busting out of those roles that women often take, the mother or the whore or, you know, whatever those two archetypes we have. In our culture, you, you're, you're a, a shamanic kind of a person. You're an academic. You're a mother. You're, you're deeply sensitive. You're a healer. You really do embody that. And I, I, so, I so feel like we need to name that and be inspired by what you stand for. So thank you. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much. I I I feel very seen, and I also am just so aware of um, you know what I do this work in service to, and it really is in service to uh, the seven generations and further on out into the future that will follow us on this planet and all the generations that have come before and the ancestors yet to be born. Beautiful. So I, yeah. I was thinking about your sponsors and, you know, thinking, wow, you've got all those levels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> interesting, right. And that's, that's part of this work, you know, all the different levels yeah. um, that are present, whether we are and influencing us, whether we are aware of them or not. And just for, for um, I think, to start off, one of the things that comes to mind is who are the ancestors? Because we often, we will just very quickly think, well, of course, it's our grandparents and our great-grandparents and the people who are in our immediate family and who we can trace through our DNA. However, if we look at, ancestors from a Jungian perspective, Carl Jung, um, or from the perspective of um, other cultures, that definition expands. And so it's not just the ancestors in our family. It's um, the ancestors that we are related to through uh, the tribe that we belong to. Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, that I grew up on Cape Cod. So there are ancestors who are related specifically to New England. And then there are the ancestors that are related to the countries that we come from and the regions um, that we live in, the cultural ancestors. And if we go... Uh, into the Jungian model, model, the archetypal ancestors and the animal ancestors and the ancestors that live in the land. So when we're talking about ancestors, it's a much broader uh, container and perspective than um, the way most of us think about it. And where we begin is right with our immediate family. Mm-hmm. And then let's talk about this is a great context. Um, because it is broader than most of us think. Well, let's talk about the prevalent Western mentality around ancestry and then how you actually yourself move from that um, ideology to this broader perspective because we can see it all over the news right now, can't we, what's happening when we get stuck in these dualistic or these paradigmatic uh, memes. Um, it really causes some trouble, doesn't it? Yeah, 
Or kind of. Oh, oh my gosh, yes. Um, <laughs> you say nudes, and I just, I mean, I could go in so many different directions with that. Um, my yeah, guess right. is that most people um, are very interested in kind of how is this relevant for me right now. And um, where this all started was me trying to understand um, what was going on in my life and my personal trauma. And I, you know, I have a BA in psychology, an MA in psychology, and a PhD in psychology. So clearly, I spent a lifetime trying to contextualize what was going on for me. And like many people. You know, it's like I just wanted to understand suffering and to find some meaning in it. And, um, I mean, even before that, it's just like, let's end the suffering. You know, this is too painful. Um, so it really started in trauma and in my personal story. And Jung uh, was really uh, fundamental in providing a way for me to understand my personal history and my personal biography in a larger context. And for people who've experienced trauma, having that larger context can be a way of uh, putting the pieces of a fragmented history together. And the fragmented history, what I discovered is that the fragmented history was not only in my personal biography, but actually extended into the biography of an ancestor in the 1600s. And um, beyond that, extended to an ancestor in the 1600s of my now ex-husband. Mm-hmm. So not only was it my personal story and my personal trauma that connected me with the trauma in the land and in the life of my ancestor in the 1600s, but that also connected me with my now ex-husband, his name is Clark, um, and our ancestors. Um, our ancestors actually met on the uh, day, or Clark and I got married on the anniversary of the day our ancestors met for the first time. Mm-hmm. So often, uh, like Jung brings in this concept of synchronicity, where psyche and matter mirror each other. And um, the synchronicity of my birth date and the date of my wedding anniversary were the entry points for me into that larger story. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Tracing back to my question, which is sort of the prevalent way that the Western culture perceives or is informed by ancestry, is really typically in that personal realm. Yeah. So, and and even, and we may touch on it, but we usually think of the mom-dad story, right? What my mom did to me, what my dad did to me, and then, and that's a very sort of uh, Western psychological orientation. But we rarely get beyond that, and yet. When we do, what I'm hearing you say is, oh, my gosh, it, it gets just deeper and deeper and can really shift not only what's happening in that paradigm, but it sort of blasts that orientation or, or epistemology, the way that we know how we know what's real in the world, wide open, right? Yes. Well, and yeah, and, and I always like to think about leading people from, from where, where we are to that bigger, uh, the bigger concept. That you know the bigger context that we're talking about, and so you know if we think about things like sexual abuse or physical abuse or alcoholism, we begin to think multi generationally. Great point. 
and because there's patterns, you know, it's like we can see the patterns um, in a lineage, and what this work this work does is it expands that context of understanding um, and allows us to see into the cultural the historical and the national yeah. influences and the influences of the land itself right. you know that we're living on one of the beautiful things about your book is that it not only sets this up for us and by the way if you're just joining us oh big treat for you we are in the house of Sandra Easter, Ph.D., Jung and the Ancestors. That's the title of Sandra's new book, Beyond Biography, Mending the Ancestral Web. Um, looking at um, our ancestry in this different context, looking at uh, what else is possible, it doesn't just give us uh, the means or the bridge for change or healing. Uh, when I was reading your book, I, I really saw that this adds to the collective. When we do engage and start working in this, this realm, which we're going to talk about when we come back from the break, like how you can actually work with your ancestors, by the way, who aren't here. Oh, yeah, we're going to get into that this hour. But how that actually contributes backwards and forwards to a shift in the way that we're informed and moved through the world. I think this is what's most staggering. How that's even possible? This isn't an intellectual idea. It actually happens. Will you speak to that or begin, begin speaking to this? Oh, my gosh, yeah. And you just, I just appreciate how um, well you understand and articulate the, the you know, w what I've been doing. Um, that's so my thank job. You. <laughs> well, really good. Way to go. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Um, you know, when, as, a, as a therapist, and for those people who are healers or looking for healing, you know, we are uh, looking, of course, at our own suffering. What's really, uh, what I've discovered through this work is that as we do our work, and especially from this larger context of understanding, the healing and the transformation in the story occurs not only for those who have come before us, but also for the generations that will follow. And as you said, you know, I'm a, the, um, I'm a daughter and I'm a mother of two daughters. And it's been so interesting to me to see that as I do my work, the healing occurs in my immediate family, and this is true for my clients and the people I've worked with, and also how it frees my daughters up to live their lives. You know, I've done some work with Malada Masome. He's a Dagra elder um, and very shamanic. Yeah. And he, he talks about how uh, they all have ancestor altars, and they don't go more than four days before they tend wow. to it. And it's like, what's being asked us in the present? Because... We get out of balance and harmony so quickly. Imagine if we haven't been tending for generations. Yeah, hold that thought. We're going to go to break when we come back more. Oh, my gosh. What work we do, you can watch it real time affect your kids, your family, your husband. But what about this? When we come back, we're going to hear a story that's going to blow your mind. Sandra Easter is going to tell us, oh, yeah, her ancestors were rocking the East Coast of uh, the Western world in ways that are going to blow your mind. Back in just a minute. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back right here on Marian Live.
I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered No More Love Life Drama for Us. Hi, everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. Honey, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, The Great Relationships Begin Within, Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Lied and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. Okay, so you have a couple of days off, and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries, for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights, and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. Music, information, and friends. HealthyLife.net. Welcome back, everybody, Young and the Ancestors. We're talking with Sandra Easter today. How can understanding your ancestral heritage inform your life, help heal you and beyond your children or perhaps even people who have passed before and certainly those to come? Well, that's what we're talking about here. And Sandra, you're going to tell us a story that get ready, everybody, because this is just mind-blowing. The synchronicities abound, and, and it's just it's just a crazy, wonderful story. And this is sort of the portal for you, what intrigued you to go deeper and learn a little bit more. Is that correct about your own heritage? Yeah. All right. So tell us a story. Yeah. Well, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off by, by just sharing that, um, you know, each of us, I believe, comes in, and, and this is, you know, I've learned this from Alabama. Jung talks about this. Each of us comes in, and we are living in a story. And um, as I look backwards at my life and my story, what I see is there's a purpose in it. And so I share the story because it serves as an example, and I feel like I've been given the gift of this story um, in order to uh, kind of be an example of the dynamics that exist in all of our stories. And um, so that's why I'm sharing my personal story. Mm -hmm. also want to say that I really come 
uh, to this work with a very skeptical perspective. You know, is this really real? When I was growing up, my mom would always say, is this real or is this your imagination? Nice. <laughs> nice <laughs> mom. As winding as that was, I hated her for that when she would say it. And it's right. like, because it's all one and the same to me. One right, is just, right. you know, there was no, I could differentiate. But anyway, so I come to it with skepticism. Um, inherited skepticism, I might add. Inherited <laughs> and enforced. Yes, yes. <laughs> and thank God for that, you know. Oh, yeah. So um, I, and all of this, is in service to restoring and maintaining balance and harmony. And what I came to in the end is that this is really all about uh, doing the work that's necessary to allow the love to flow freely, um, not only between the generations, but between each and every one of us. Um, so, and we only have to do our small part. Jung says that we add an infinitesimal amount to the larger collective story. And I love that because it keeps, keeps, uh, all of us humble. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. And the momentum, we each have a part, but it creates momentum. It doesn't Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and we each need to do our part because if we don't, the whole fabric of the web of being then is incomplete. Um, so, um, Really simply, uh, I was uh, sexually molested by my maternal grandfather when I was growing up. And one of the questions that I often hear from people is, why would I want to even be in contact with my ancestors or anyone from my family? Because if they've experienced any kind of trauma or any kind of abuse, the last thing that you want is to open your heart up or your body up or your mind up to that in any way. So I was watching an Oprah show, and Gary Zukoff was on, and he was talking to a woman who had been raped. And he said to her, you need to forgive your rapist. And I flew into a rage. It's a good thing I was by myself. <laughs> and not <laughs> and I started writing, no. <laughs> I started writing a letter to my sisters who were also molested and to my mother and about the costs of abuse. And I all of a sudden felt this intense wave of love. And I knew it was my maternal grandfather. Now people ask well, how did you know it was him? So you mean the presence that you felt with this wave of love, you identified as the presence as my, of your grandfather? Yes. Okay. Yeah. To point that out for folks. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And so, you know, so, well, how did I know? And for those of you who have had the experience, you know, you know. Um, and um, for those of you who haven't, you know, if if you open to it, you know, it's like I smelled cigar smoke. He smoked cigars. But I also just knew it was him because there's a quality to these imaginal figures, whether they're ancestors or dream figures, that they are very particular in ways that help us know who they are. Um, and I just thought, go away. You have no right to love me. And... As I have done the work, you know, and I thought, and as a psychologist, I would never, ever presume that someone should forgive anyone for something like what I experienced. Um, and through this work, 
I had a spontaneous experience of forgiving my grandfather, mm. which I never thought was possible. So how did that happen? It, it wasn't like one day, you know, mm-hmm. I just woke up right. and... Mm-hmm. There there was a 10-year process, Mm -hmm. and what I needed to do was to go back into the abuse and look at it and experience it and understand it in this larger context. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good place. Let me jump in here. Let's talk about what inquiry is, because we're we're presupposing here that the kind of inquiry that you are now used to doing Maybe some folks we want, let's catch them up or give them a little bit of uh, more context around this kind of thing that we do so naturally, some of us. What is this inquiry and what is this realm that you would even meet your grandfather or know to call the imaginal realm, for example? Yeah, great, great question, Marianne. You know, I, um, yes, it's so natural to me now. <laughs> and it's a lot of, yeah, of the work is based on A lot of years this. doing that, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, just we go right uh, uh, to Jung. And one of the things that he uh, named was this process called active imagination. Yeah. And if we, if we work with the idea that there is what Michael Mead calls the world behind the world, and if we look outside of uh, any culture except modern Western culture, we see that other cultures see that there is an invisible, invisible, quote, world that exists in relationship to this world and that one is the mirror of the other. So Jung looked at this purely phenomenologically. He never crossed into metaphysical territory. And I just need to acknowledge that I, I do and I will. So if I talk about it that way, yes, you know, I, I work phenomenologically, but I also have so many experiences that I do understand that world in the way that um, many people who are from uh, indigenous cultures, and I use that world word very carefully, um, you know, just that's their cosmology. That's how they exist. So um, this way of working is active imagination, and basically it's about how to come into dialogue and relationship with these figures that uh, do not, we don't experience in the same way we experience like ourselves in this physically embodied reality. Right. So to, to but that are really, that are really real. Right. For example, a dream image even could be a shape, could be an animal, could be something living, like any uh, representation that comes forward right from this, in, in this invisible realm would be considered, uh, uh, fodder or or a, uh, a relationship potential relationship to inquire into yeah well yeah and you know it's also it's like uh, yes it's and I like to to think of it as a figure mm-hmm. you know however the access is often and this will uh, be ever- access is are you still there yep I'm here okay good I just got to beep um yeah. anyway <laughs> um, Often be through the emotions. Okay, great. When we come back after the break, we're going to delve a little bit deeper, and we're going to listen to the most amazing story that, yes, it came through the imaginal realm, and the facts are the facts, people. When we come back, we're going to put those two, two things together right here on Marian Live. Young and the Ancestors, that's what we're talking about with Sandra Easter. More when we return. Don't touch that dial back in just a minute. I don't 
date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered No, no More Love Life Drama, drama for us. us. Shh, over here. Here's a secret for a virus-free computer. ESET. They've been a pioneer in the antivirus industry for over 25 years. 25 years of innovative, top-rated antivirus protection. ESET's award-winning security solutions provide a safe online experience for over 100 million home and business computer owners. They are so affordable, fast, and simple to use. So be gone, you blue screen of death. ESET's on my computer. If it's not on yours, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on ESET now. Did you know that in seven minutes you might save $522 on car insurance? Well, this makes sense. Since 21st Century Insurance's company's website has been rated number one in responsiveness by Keynote. Serving customers since 1958, 21st Century Insurance has a 24-7 online policy and claim service. You can get a quote fast and easy, so get your quote by visiting HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click right on the 21st Century Insurance banner. More exhilarating talk. HealthyLife.net. Yeah, we are in some deep territory here. Yeah, because that's, uh, my guess, a depth psychologist. That's right. She likes to go deep, and that's where we're at. Young and the ancestors, you're in the right place. We're talking about how one's ancestral past and present and future uh, really can inform and heal not only you personally, but uh, the rest of our culture and uh, the future of our planet. So this is a very big conversation. Sandra, before we went to the break, you were just giving us, finishing giving us context for how we roam in the imaginal realm and how Jung uh, explained that, how he came across that, that these figures that we meet are in fact part of, uh, they're real. They're, they're not imagination. It, the imaginal realm is distinctly different. Every culture except the West is getting has been on board with that train, uh, that understanding, and yet we are we are awakening to that. So, with that in mind and in heart and in soul, let's move into this story because it's really mind blowing and uh, it'll shudder. Your body may shudder and get goosebumps and all that good stuff. So, you, <laughs> yeah, you met somebody. Uh, so, you took that experience with your grandfather and went with it. So take yeah, yeah. Well, and, and one last thing I want to say so that we have the territory okay. kind of defined is that whatever, whatever each of us believes about what happens after we die. Mm, great point. The um, way, we, the, way the ancestors influence us whether we believe whether the soul exists or not, we don't need to go metaphysical. Got it. You know, there are people who said to me, well, this, you know, my grandfather showed up in a dream. Was it really him? What I focus on is not was it really him and what's the existence of the soul after death. What I focus on is what is your experience of 
your grandfather in that dream. So whatever you believe, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you believe. This is a way of working with what is showing up and what is present. The bonus is it affects a bunch of different layers, whether you, whether you believe it or not. It just does. So we like that. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what, you know, for those people who know a little bit about Jung, um, his dialogues with the unconscious were, uh, are now uh, written about and compiled and we can see them, um, you know, as they were, uh, as they were experienced by Jung in the Red Book. And there's a figure in the Red Book, that, uh, an imaginal figure, that talks to Jung. And he says, you know, whether or not you uh, believe that the, the dead exist, they are influencing you. They come to you. They will cross your, your intentions and purposes. They will show up thematically, mm-hmm. physically, through dreams, and emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, so we look to our symptoms. And that is one of the ways into, you know, kind of this larger context of understanding. So what symptoms symptoms were coming up for you aside from now having forgiveness, right? You were angry and rageful and then... So as you can imagine, I mean, those of you who have experienced trauma um, of whatever kind understand what post-traumatic stress syndrome is and that um, there's actually evidence, neurological evidence, that basically the brain gets on this pathway that um, it can be that post-traumatic stress response can be triggered, you know, when there's stress in the world. So we were doing imaginal dialogues for a class that I was taking in my Ph.D. program, and one of them was on the cultural historical level, and I avoided doing that, um, and with good reason. Um, and when I went to do it, the morning I woke up, I was experiencing what was very familiar. My body was shaking. My emotions were raw. I was feeling that fight or flight response, and I thought, oh, shit, I've done so much work. This is coming back again. So I... Uh, went to do the dialogue, and I was drawn to a chapel on the campus, which is no longer there, and there's a picture of Jesus and Buddha and Gandhi and um, several other figures who are figures that we all will probably acknowledge and see as figures who hold great compassion and understanding for the reality of human experience and suffering and also hold the possibility for healing. And so I just sat down in the chapel and my body was shaking. And what was so interesting to me is that that experience that came from being personally molested was the portal into the ancestral and collective trauma back in the 1600s. And I... What opened up was I was standing on a hill. Now, this is in your reverie, right? This, this is, is in the, the reverie. reverie now. So yes. we, yeah, 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 yeah. You're in the chapel, and you're dropping into the inquiry, and now you're in a reverie, folks. So now you're, what you're going to explain, Sandra, is what's happening in your reverie. Okay. Yeah. So the, the emotion was the portal. And Jung says, you know, if we, Jung has an energetic model of the psyche. And his theory of complexes, and if you're interested in this, you can read about it in Jung, you can read about it in my book, um, energy is just is. And even though it drops into the unconscious, it's 
still exists and still has the power. So especially, you can imagine, with something like trauma, mm-hmm. and especially if it's collective trauma. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but if it's in the unconscious, it's going to, and it's not addressed, it's going to get more and more powerful energetically. Mm-hmm. So this personal experience and touching into that emotion served as the portal and entryway into the ancestral trauma. How it happened was not like, oh, I'm going into the ancestral trauma. It happened very organically. So I just stayed with the emotion, and I ended up being on a hill. And at first I experienced myself as a Native American figure. And then I saw a Native American figure standing there. I was also present imaginally um, in this uh, kind of... Uh, I don't know, imaginal visionary experience I was having. And then there was another figure. And I, as the, as the uh, experience went on, I realized that this other figure was my ancestor, Roger Williams. Now, without going into the entire story, what I want to do is kind of highlight some things about my personal story. And again, this took place over a 10-year period of time, a lot of discovery, a lot of reading, a lot of historical research. Um, I am directly descended from Roger Williams. He was uh, English, came here in the 1600s. He was given land by the Narragansett when he was kicked out of Massachusetts Bay Colony for being a heretic a religious heretic, Massachusetts Bay Colony was trying to set up a theocracy. And he said, no, mm-mm-mm, you know, it can't be that. We're separation of church and state. That's what we came here to do. That's what, you know, that's what he stood for. He said that we had no right to the Indian land. He called them Amer Indians. And there's a whole list of other things. Now, uh, the ancestor who kicked my ancestor out of Massachusetts Bay Colony was my ex-husband's ancestor, John Cotton. In real life, people, this, we're out of the reverie now. Okay? This is really what Sandra unearthed when she went back to the fact-finding. This is all via her going into an imaginal inquiry. Okay, This is just astonishing. Yeah, because I wanted to understand that it's like, am I making this up? Okay. Is this really real? Okay. Even if it didn't have a historical reference, yeah. It would be it was it was metaphorically true. That's right. And that's that's also you know it's like we can't always find the yeah. historical reference. However, point. so there's always a metaphoric truth and a symbolic right. truth, and we can find meaning in that. Right. I was fortunate enough to be able to find historical references for the imaginal experiences that I was having. Um, And that's how my story serves as an example. And it's also relevant to your inquiry. I don't think each inquiry, you need to go on a fact-finding spree because it may not be relevant to what it is you're trying to heal, right? You have to follow exactly. each breadcrumb as it comes. This one happened to lead you that's to a really good. That's a really good point, and that's what I tell people. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, my God, what if I can't find a diary? What if I can't find this? You know, things show up at just the right time, and it's kind of extraordinary how they do. Yeah. So, anyway, um, what I uh, also discovered is that my birthday happened to be the anniversary of the day that Providence, Rhode Island, 
land that had been given to my ancestor by the Narragansett after he fled from the Massachusetts Bay Colony. My birthday was the day that Providence, Rhode Island was burned by the grandsons of the men and women who had given my ancestor that land. Wow. Hold that thought, everybody. Just trip on that for just a minute. We're going to be right back right after these messages. Oh, yeah. Somebody's going to be doing imaginal inquiry during the break here. I know it. But don't forget <laughs> to come back and join us here on Mary and I. We'll be back right after these messages. More Young and the Ancestors right after this. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered No No More More Love Love Life Life Drama Drama for Us. MarianneLive.com is where you can go to keep up to date with what and where relationship expert, author, and radio host Marianne Camarano is appearing next. Besides Marianne's three radio shows weekdays on HealthyLive.net, you can find out details about upcoming or ongoing seminars and workshops. How about information for ordering copies of books or DVDs? That's also available at MarianneLive.com. Find out about core certification, certificate of responsible relationships, www.marianlive.com core certification learning tools to attract build and sustain great relationships also sign up for marianne's newsletter to be informed about upcoming events and possible workshops or speaking engagements in the northern california area www.marianlive.com what does HealthyLife.net and Amazon.com have in common? Well, they're both available on the Internet. They both get great value. But most important, most of our positive program hosts and guests are accomplished authors. And their books are available from, you got it, Amazon.com. Now it even gets better than that. Because when you're listening on air to a HealthyLife.net host or guest, you can go directly to Amazon.com and you can order your book while you're still listening to your favorite HealthyLife.net program. So when you hear an author you like, go to the homepage of HealthyLife.net and click on Amazon.com. HealthyLife.net. The Positive Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, you're hanging there. You're, some of you are often in imaginal inquiry. Come back, come back, come back here. There'll be plenty of time. You're going to get a copy of Young and the Ancestors, and you'll be able to find your own way there. Okay, Sandra, where are we going from here? You've been on an amazing 10-year journey, and what is what, it, what are some of the things you've learned that really have shifted your life, things that have informed not only you personally but your your progeny and, and some highlights about things you've learned? Yes, yeah, 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 good question. Um, you know, one of the, my favorite quotes from Jung is that for him, the dead, the ancestors, were the unredeemed, unresolved, and unanswered questions that were his to resolve, redeem, and answer. So not only is this about this work about uh, healing uh, trauma, 
addressing the unresolved pieces of the past, but it also informs our what we're here to do and our destiny. Beautiful. So one of the, you know, it started, this work started off in trauma for me. And what I discovered, and I'm only giving you the highlights of this, and I want to talk about some of the people that I've worked with and their experiences. Um, but one of the things that I discovered is that what Roger struggled with interculturally, he was a Christian and he was a European, However, his relationship with the native people of this land, the Wampanoag and the Narragansett, really uh, challenged his thinking and his beliefs. He was unable to resolve that conflict, not only interculturally, you know, he, he, he negotiated peace with uh, the Indians and the Europeans for over 20 years. However, the war, King Philip's War, broke out, and Providence was burned, and that dream died, and he lived for 10 years after that. He never built himself another home. Did he pick up that dream? Well, what happened was that what he experienced as a conflict interculturally, I experienced as a conflict interpsychically. And I can't go into all of the details, but Jerome Bernstein's work, and his book is called Living in the Borderland, talks about how human consciousness, modern Western human consciousness, is now at a point where we are, be we are uh, being called to and, and need to integrate what Jung called the archaic aspect of the psyche. And it is what Gregory Cajete, Atiwa Pueblo, uh, calls the metaphoric mind. And we are integrating that with this incredibly wonderful modern Western consciousness, which is able to differentiate and distinguish. And so the intercultural conflict that my ancestor experienced was going on in me interpsychically. What's wonderful is that Jerome Bernstein's book was published at exactly the right time. It came to me at exactly the right time. And then I began to figure out that this story that, that was happening to my ancestor in the 1600s was now moved forward in me in an interpsychic way. All right. Not only that, Clark's and my uh, kind of spiritual uh, disagreements Your and husband, conflicts, ex my ex-husband, were a re-enactment uh, of the conflict and the conversation and dialogue that our ancestors had. It was just a modern version of that. Mm -hmm. now, you're working with a bunch <clears throat> of other people who have been looking at some of these issues in their own lives. How, how have they been different than yours uh, in the few minutes we have left? And what advice do we want to leave folks with as we come to the top of the hour? Yeah, well, you know, the piece that I think is really important is that um, all the ancestors want is for us to live our lives and to be happy with a capital H. <laughs> and I say capital H because it's not just like, you know, don't worry, be happy, but truly to experience um you know our lives in in this way where we are where we really feel connected and alive. And so many of the people that I work with, uh, when they get into the uh, stories in this way, 
recognize that the ancestors are there supporting them and informing what they are here to do. I had a woman who was uh, a CPA, and she had an experience in Oaxaca and a sweat lodge where her father came to her, and it completely changed the direction of her life. And she's now a massage therapist and doing shamanic work with people. And she's had so many dreams where her parents both came to her and gave her gifts that she needed in order to do the work that she's here to do. And she has this beautiful, she says this beautiful thing. It's what, what her father took from her when he was alive, he gave back to her after he died. Wow. That's and I just, you know, Maladoma Somme says that all the ancestors want, you know, when someone crosses over to the other side, they see things from a different perspective. All they want is to make up for the wrongs that they have done. And they are dependent on those of us living in this physical reality to do what is necessary to uh, redeem, resolve, and answer. And Jung said something about that. We have a moral obligation when we bring something into a consciousness that has been unconscious. Live that in our lives. What do you want to leave us with, Sandra, as we come to the top of the hour? Oh, my gosh. Um, I want to go back to one of the things that you said, just gratitude. Just gratitude. Beautiful. Gratitude. Go with the gratitude. Go with the love. And that healing from extraordinary trauma, personal and cultural, is possible. Beautiful. And that's something I couldn't have said 10 years ago. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being with us. We are grateful that you took time and care to be with us today and to write this gorgeous book, Jung and the Ancestors, everybody. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back for our wrap right here on Marianne Live. Everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host, Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. Honey, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within Self-Inquiry divination deck because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Light and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. To be a good father is the most important job in a man's life. But it doesn't have to be hard. Play catch. Go to a park or visit a zoo. Help your child with their homework. Sit down together for dinner. Ask them how their day was. Things get busy, and sometimes we all fall short. But the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at one 877 dad or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Where can I contain all of my stuff? Hmm. 
Hmm, how about this? The Container Store, the original storage and organization store. And I found their link on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. They have containers for everything, including the kitchen, the bathroom, trash and recycling, traveling, spring cleaning, and dorm rooms. Just about everything you can think of to contain your stuff. The Container Store, right on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. HealthyLife.net, where positive overcomes negative. Oh, what a pleasure to have Sandra Easter with us today. I'm Marion Live. Thanks for joining us again, Sandra. Uh, for more information about Sandra Easter and her work, you get a copy of Jung and the Ancestors wherever fine books are sold, or you can check Sandra out at uh, her Facebook page, Sandra Easter PhD on Facebook. That's how she wants you to get a hold of her. And uh, next week, joining us right here on Mary Ann Live, oh, yeah, we've got another special treat for you here. You don't want to miss it. Back by popular demand, Sark, succulent, wild love. She's going to be in the house with Marianne on Marianne Live. That's me. Hey, third part of our practice together. Go do something for somebody else. Don't let them know you did it. Uh, make it a beautiful day and uh, an ongoing party of practices joining us here at Marianne Live. Thanks so much. We're so glad you did. See you next time, everybody. Blessings until then.